if you want to turn to a passage, we'll get there in a little bit, but if you want to turn to the 103rd Psalm, and we'll be getting there, in, in, like I said, in just a little bit. Psalm 103. I too would like to add, whether you're at the stage where you're known as father, maybe you're dad, or maybe for some, you're still daddy. That's a precious term too. I'd like to say happy Father's Day to all you men and uh, the biblical role that you fulfill. For us who worship in the service of a Bible-believing church, of course, when we talk about the idea of a father, uh, the idea of a father on earth, the prime is in the Trinity, is our Heavenly Father, the first person of the Trinity. I've looked into the Bible here, and just to let you know this, just for information, that word father in the Hebrew is the word ob, and in the Greek and the Latin, the word is pater. When you look at the root of these words, of what they mean, find that there's three basic attributes or three basic traits of one who's a father. Number one, a father is someone who is to nourish, a nourisher, is to provide for his family, for his children. Secondly, a father is one who is a defender, not only provides for his family, but protects his family, protects his children. And then thirdly, the word is the idea of one who upholds, one who not only provides and protects, but also is a promoter. He promotes his family and his children. So today what I would like us to do, it's sort of like a kind of a list of the do's and don'ts a little bit, uh, just as a reminder, um, that all of us, you know, none of us have arrived. There's only one being we know of that's perfect through and through, and that is our, our God. But uh, you may see inside your bulletin, there's the letters there for fathers, and I'm going to give a, a word that goes with that, starts with that letter. I've always liked to do that down through the years. I've uh, refused to use a computer or, or a screen because the way that I do it, <clears throat> the way that we've done it back when I was born in the 14th century, is uh, it's just so superior, okay? I want you to keep praying for me. I've, I'm still trying to, to learn uh, how to use a chalkboard. It's tough. It's tough, but I, I'm at it. The first letter, of course, there, fathers, is the letter F, and the ideal is, the way the program, the way it's supposed to be, is that the father would be faith-filled, a man who's a father who's been saved by Christ and who serves his Christ. In this way, uh, you know, talking about being part of the in crowd. A father is born again, a father who serves the Lord. He's, he's in, he's in the Bible, he's in church, and he's in prayer. This is what we all should be about. And I understand in a room this size, with our different ages, there's going to be, you know, my father, human father, my father is gone. He passed away quite a few years ago. So some of you, what you can do is remember your dad. Those of you who still have your dad, maybe they're not in this room or they're not necessarily in this area, you can call them and talk with them today and tell them that you love them and wish them well. And if you're in the situation where you still have children living at home, then that we would adopt 
what God would tell us to do, what it means to be a biblical uh, father. So that's what I'd like to do today. That way, when your children watch you as dear old dad, they can observe you. Hopefully, they can learn from you. They will also learn that no person is perfect, as we said. Dads are not perfect. That is true. And uh, not only can the children observe and learn, but they hopefully can continue a Christian godly heritage in that situation. Now, I want to be sensitive here because something else that I know, and I want to start off with this about the situation of the father. The fact of the matter is, in our world, what we call the traditional situation, it's not always that case. I would know that in this room there's situations where there are dads, fathers, daddies. Many times, the relationship between a father and the children or a child is not necessarily what it could be or might be. And uh, I always remember a friend of mine, I'll just mention him real quickly, Bill Newman. Bill Newman, he born in 1960. I met him up in Michigan. And in talking to Bill Newman, I got to find out something. On Christmas Day, 1966, when Bill was six years old, he had a brother, Charlie, who was a little bit older than him, and a brother, Rick, that was a little younger than him. And then there was Mom, Mary Lou Newman. It was on Christmas Day, Bill told me, that her husband, their dad, left them and never came back. And so when I would talk with Bill and he would share with me, he said, you know, he said, for a while, being a little boy, he says, I was sad, I was upset. He said, uh, I didn't know why my daddy had left. And he says, probably like a lot of kids do, he said, uh, I thought, well, what have I done wrong? Why have, what have I done? And of course, he had done nothing wrong. And, and I would say, too, in this situation, we have situations here of, uh, you know, homes and everything, and, and some of the things, the reality, is not of our choosing. I don't want anybody in here to beat up on themselves. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just saying some things aren't always the traditional way. But here's what Bill told me, and I want to pass it on to you, and dads and everything. Bill said, Earl, I want to tell you something. He said, after my dad did that, he says, uh, my brothers and I, he said, my mother never, ever, not once, bad-mouthed our father. He said, boys, you know your father has left, so we need to pray for him. And that's what they would do. They would always pray for their dad. We cannot always control what other people do. That's the truth. But we can always control, we can always choose with what we're going to do. And so Bill said every night when they had their prayers with mom, and I wish you could have met Mary Lou Newman, the mother. She's with the Lord now. What a definition of a Christian woman, a Christian mom. She was the best. Anyway, so he said, we would always pray for dad every night. And he said, and as time went by, he said, God brought into my heart that, you know, if God could forgive me, said Bill, that in my heart, he said, I never saw my dad again, but I told the Lord, I forgive my dad in my heart and prayed for him. So I think I would just say for all of us here, if you're in a situation where maybe it's not the traditional situation, could we choose to make the right decisions? Could we choose to do what God would have us to do? To pray for these men? To pray for that situation? As God loves you, although we're imperfect, 
to have an attitude of love. And always remember, even maybe the situation with your human dad may not be the best, but the fact is, the relationship, if you're saved with your heavenly father, is always what it should be in the sense that God loves you with an everlasting love. He's there with you all the time. And so I would just say that, uh, you know, just share that. Uh, Pray for the dad's salvation, and like I am sure Bill did that, and always understand that uh, the Lord God, he can do and work and meet the needs of the family. So that's faith-filled, but work with that situation. Now, I ask you to turn to Psalm uh, 103, and I want to read verse 13, well, actually 12. You there? It says this in Psalm 103, beginning in verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgression from us. Like a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. So he's removed the sin. He loves us. He sees us in his son. And yet there we see in verse 13, like a father, a reference to a human father. You dads, who are here today, pitieth his children. That word pitieth in the old English means compassion, love. It's a tender love, a tender love that all children need. Uh, The A word there is, I would say, be available, be around. We understand that dads must work, they have to provide, Dads can't be home. As a matter of fact, I believe biblically, if you're going to talk between the father and the mother, both are responsible, but moms, in the biblical sense, and there's nothing wrong with moms working outside the home, that is biblical. You can read Proverbs 31 about that. Now there's Lydia. We talked to Lydia today. But mom is going to be more the one who's at home, the homemaker, there with the children all the time. And absolutely, it's the mother who physically brings that child into the world. And yet, for us dads, we have that role to be available. And with that tender love. Listen, dads, as much as possible, here's my thought. For me, those days are gone. All my boys have left. But you can always improve. But be around with your children as much as you can. You may not think it right now, especially if you got one that's crying at home and you said, I'll never get to sleep again. But no, those years will go by rather rapidly. And you'll look back and you'll say, where did those years go? So anyway, those years where they come running up to you and wrap their arms around your leg or pick you up. You pick you up. No, we pick them up. <laughs> like to see you try to do that, Evan. <laughs> But uh, to be with them as much as you can. Be interested. Be involved. Get down on the floor with your kids. If they're the guys, you know, wrestle with them. Wrestle with them on the floor. And I suppose there's some girls that are, you know, I'll beat you guys. I'll take Dad on. Maybe some girls and maybe some young girls when they come in and say, I'd like to wrestle Dad too. But Dad, sometimes I've seen the commercial on the TV and it's true. If you've got a daughter... And uh, it's maybe time for you to be pretty in pink and have a tea party with your daughter, okay? 
That's okay. That will not, that will not affect your masculinity one little bit. So just be around, be available. It's just, a, you know, I'm going to move on here, but I just, you know what? Those times are precious, and even after your children leave, you know what? They will be memories that are precious to you. And many times, with myself or sitting around, we'll talk about the good times of yesteryear. So you hear my heart. Dads, as much as possible, be there, be involved, be available. Close with a somber thought. And that's one of the saddest songs I've ever heard. Some of you, if you're real young, you may not know about it, but it came out in 1974, so a whole lot of you weren't around. But it was uh, sung by a man by the name of Harry Chapin, and the song was called Cats in the Cradle. And if you've never heard that song, listen to it. And it's about a dad who is full of regrets because he didn't spend time with the children, especially with the son in that song, who wanted to spend time with dad. And later on he finds out that those days are gone, and now it's too late. So you dads that have kids at home right now, don't, don't make the mistake. Make sure that your priority, yeah, you've got to make money and you've got responsibilities. But those things will always be there. Your children won't. Hope you get that. Faith-filled, letter F. Letter A, valuable. Be available. Be around. Now, if you want to turn with me, if you'll please, to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Because the letter T... The first part of it being, uh, we already read Psalm 103, verse 13. But if you'll turn back to Hebrews chapter 12, faith-filled, available. Letter T stands for two words, dads. At particular times, in particular ways, you need to be both tender and tough. And the situation will present itself to you as where you need to be. I want to remind you, though, that both whether you're tender or you're tough, they both show love. At the time when a dad needs to be tender, he's showing his love for his children. But if sometimes there's a matter of discipline or disobedience, then being tough will also be a demonstration of your love for your child or for your children. Let me just... uh, Read this from pastor, uh, pastor, from Hebrews chapter 12, and I want to read into our hearing, verses 7 through 11. He's using God primarily as the subject. He writes, If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, Whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now chastening for the present seemeth to be, no. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. 
Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them, which are exercised thereby. Let me just give you a thought here about the tender love. Of where you pitieth your children, you show them compassion. It seems like we're getting more and more into a generation and, and things where the idea of showing love means to buy them everything their little heart desires and to never, ever say no. Because, well, that might hurt their feelings. You wouldn't want to do that. But tenderness that shows the, shows the true compassion I know what I remember with my dad, and I think what we did is, I'll just, a couple of thoughts here. Anything I'm talking about now, you can take over and say you forgot such and such. But I would say, just your words, just your voice. If I come home from work and, you know, little Ichabod's been bad, dad says, wait till your dad gets home. I walk in, Ichabod's back there. You come on, get in here. I said, those aren't words of comfort. But if I say to my son, and you say to your daughter, you say, you know something? I love you. They're going to know you mean it. I love you, even when, if it's time for toughness. Say, you know what? What you did, you disobeyed, didn't you? And so you know there's going to be a consequence for that, don't you? Yes. But I want to tell you something. Even though you're going to face some discipline right now, I want you to know this. It doesn't touch this. I love you with all my heart. They'll believe you. Smiles from the heart. How many of you folks, I think everybody, if somebody truly smiles at you or uses an encouraging word, it can make your day. It can really change things for you. If somebody tells you that they're praying for you, someone sends you a greeting card and just puts their name and says, thinking of you, it can mean so much. To a little child, daddy is like a giant. And for that giant to get down on his knee and smile at that little child, little Johnny or little Susie, and give her a hug and smile and say, I love you, that means the world. And touch that hug. Or just to go up and put your hand on somebody's shoulder, that touch is, is a reinforcement, is an encouragement of love. So, Des, I'm just, I'm just trying to say here, as we consider things, some thoughts on Father's Day and for Father's Day, it's not the huge things. You know, I, it's always like there's the commercial where for her high school graduation, Daddy, you know, Sugar Daddy, bought his little girl a Maserati or something like that, okay? And then she comes out and says, Strong color. You know, where's that going to go? No, I, I, would, I would say that the tender compassion for a child are the words you say, the smiles you bestow, the hugs you give, and the touch. That's what they're going to remember. The times that you laughed together, spent together, took a vacation together, got all that stuff. Now, over on the discipline side, on the tough side of that, we read Hebrews chapter 12. Chastening is not the opposite opposite of compassion. Chastening shows compassion. It says right there about the Heavenly Father. I'll just say to you, I'm not going to go into the details, but the Lord God chastened me. He chastened me, and boy, he got my attention. And you know what I took out of it? I said, thank God, I know he loves me. He says, if you don't get chastening, 
it's, it's a terrible word, but the idea of, of, of a bastard in the sense that if God would let me get away with sin and not do anything and not discipline me, that would suggest to me he doesn't really care about me. But if you're born again here today and think this of our Heavenly Father and you as human fathers, please, when your children need it, don't look the other way. Don't pretend. Do go to them and in toughness discipline them. And I'm just going to say something else too because in Proverbs 13, we live in this, this crazy thing. You spare the rod, you spoil the child. Now I'm not going to go in and say to you that what well, the Bible means there is you go with that little three-year-old kid and you beat them until they're senseless and unconscious in the corner. No, that is abuse. But if your child needs to get a swat and you talk to them, you don't scream at them, you don't lose, you're not, you know, red in the face. No, you go in and you sit down with that son and that daughter and you say, you know, you were told about if you did this, there'd be a consequence. So you're going to receive a swat. You're not, you know, you're not going to take away some of your privileges, but I'm going to give you a little swat. And then we're going to pray about it, and I'm going to give you a hug and tell you that I love you. We did that at the Christian Academy. I'll tell you something. The times where I, we had three things. We had you tell them, then you write them, write sentences somewhere between 10 and 5,000. Okay. <laughs> you write sentences. But when you crossed that line, you said, I'm telling you ahead of time, here's your warning. I have to take you down to the principal, Mr. Thompson. He's got that paddle down there. It's got holes in it. And, you know, they always say the Board of Education. And what happened was I was thinking to myself, wow. So I marched a couple of these kids down there, went in there and talked to Mr. Thompson, and, and he swatted them. And they were, those were kind of too old to hug. But you'd talk with them and we'd pray with them. And I thought to myself, you know what, those kids are going to hate me. Those kids did not. Those kids, the way God has built us, that kid, although it hurt, although it wasn't they weren't happy at the time, but that child knew that we loved them enough that we weren't going to let them get away with bad behavior. And those kids that I saw to it, they got a swat, I thought they'd stay away from me. No. They were closer to me than they ever were. It's, it's amazing, but that's the way God does it. Like I said, don't let anybody tell you that by swatting a child in love, the way the Bible says, is some kind of child abuse. We've seen where that goes in America, and we have a disaster on our hands because we think we're smarter than God. Only shows in our society just how truly stupid we can be. Let's go to the next one. Next letter. So we've got F, dad should be faith-filled in church, in the Bible, in prayer. Be available, be around as much as possible. Be both tender and tough when you need to be. Both are expressions of love. Letter H, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 66. Be a humble dad. Dads, always be humble. One of my favorite verses here, Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 2. It's a, it's a verse that covers a multitude of sins. One more time, Isaiah chapter 66 at the end of the book and verse 2. Now, 
Of course, the principle I'm about to read from this verse that applies to all believers all times, but I'm just applying it now specifically to dads. Isaiah 66 and verse 2. I'll just read from verse 1. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me, and where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. Dad, you realize, again, we talk about humility. Can't be a false humility, because being a dad and given the responsibility of help raising children, if you don't have God, if you don't have God there to help you, you're in for a sad thing. It's sad when families try to fill into their kids' heads all kinds of values, except Jesus Christ is left out. Anyway. That word there, poor, doesn't mean you don't have much money in your pocket, although for a lot of dads, that's true. But the word poor there means just humility. You know, in the world of the military and, uh, you know, Winston Churchill, we shall never surrender. In sports, we'll never surrender, never surrender. But do you realize, in our relationship to God, the very best thing you and I can do is totally surrender to God. That's the best thing. Get on his team. And with that humility, day by day, and being surrendered, when you're having your devotions and you're thinking about your children, you will say from your heart to the living God, Lord God, I've been given this task of raising my children. Lord God, I want to do my best to your glory and for my family. But God, I need you. I need you every minute, every day, that I will bring up my children in the way that would please you. Now, again, you have to remember that when children turn into adults, they're going to make their own decisions. But as long as you and mom have done your very best, then at some point, just like in a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah, uh, children become adults and they can do whatever they want to do. But I'm saying you have done your best You've surrendered in your devotions to your Savior God every day, and you're asking him that you need him to help you raise your children. Then the second thing we see there in that verse that talks about being poor, it says, and of a contrite spirit, not only surrendered, but sensitive to sin. I get choked up right now. One of them, like Paul in Romans 7, one of the things that I really abhor myself, like Paul, I get sick of the fact that I keep committing these sins, sins that I should know better, and yet I, and I say, Lord, I am sorry, I, I apologize, please forgive me. It's like Paul said that, you know, oh, miserable man that I am. One of my greatest hopes, some of you have heard this, some of my greatest hopes, I'll be so happy to get to heaven to see the Lord Jesus Christ, but praise God, I won't be able to ever disappoint my Savior again. Won't be able to sin any longer. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But here's the deal. As dads, when you're sensitive to your own sin and sin in the world, and it's time to maybe discipline the children, you might have to discipline, but you might want to remember being sensitive to sin of maybe some of the stunts you pulled when you were a kid, okay? 
By the way, don't ever tell your children about that. <laughs> oh, it's Okay? And then finally, uh, you know, not sensitive to sin. Can I say this? And pastors talked about this, and I know it. Guys, dads, there's going to be times when you're going to mess up with your children. Because even though you're in Jesus Christ, you still have the flesh to deal with, and you might do something where you've sinned or something like this. Please, dads, I'm pleading with you. There's nothing wrong to getting down with your children, daughters and sons, and say, you know what? I have to tell you something. Dad was wrong. I'll admit that to you. And I apologize to you. And I want you to, I'm asking you to please forgive me, Dad, because what I said, what I did, I lost it. Whatever the reason, be sensitive. Do not think that asking your kids to forgive you is somehow it's a weakness. It will be a strength. Your children will realize that. And they will forgive you. They want to forgive you because you're Dad. And then finally, the idea of being serious about the Word of God. Some, something that I'll fairly admit I wish I would have done more is if you have the opportunity before the kids hit the pillow at night, have devotions. Get into the Word of God. I go to my son's house in Maryland, and every night he takes his two sons and his two daughters up there, and they hop into the beds, and Dad stands there and reads a portion out of the Bible and explains it to them about it, and then the next day he'll quiz them on it. as said, what did I say last night? You say, I, I, wow, I, I don't have devotions with the family, with the kids, with my children. You could start. You could start doing that. I didn't do it as I I'm, I'm not pointing the finger. No, I'm pointing it right here. But again, that's a, one thing. To the, the last thing before they go to bed. I know even before I go to bed now, I say, Father, I just pray to you, Lord, that if I dream in the night, my dreams will be pleasing to you. Because I don't know about that. You can have wicked dreams. You can have really sick dreams, and I don't want that. I said, Lord, even my dreams, guard me against that. So humble, Isaiah 66, 2. Be surrendered, be sensitive to your sin, and be serious about the word of God. Have devotions. It's always good if your kids will come by and they'll say, what's dad doing? Oh, he's reading the Bible again. Well, that's, that's something I'd like to have. You know, kids come by and say, dad, are you reading the Bible again? Yes. Yes, and so should all of us. Let's go to the letter E. Not only faith-filled, not only available to be around for your children. Times to be tender, times to be tough. Always be humble. Dads, don't depend on your own wisdom, your own ability. You need the Lord. And now we come to the letter E. Expectations. These are the verses that, uh, from Colossians 3.20 that Brother Marty read for us today. Okay? Talks about the idea of, you know... Obeying your parents. Don't provoke your children. And everything we do, do to the honor and glory of the Lord. It goes both ways. Children, obey your parents. For you kids here today, you children, remember something. Your dads love you very much. So please obey them. Because what they want for you is your best and I know a lot of times as we get older, we get into the teenage years, we get this, this thought that our, you know, our parents are total idiots. But they're not. Sometimes they're not as bright as they can be. That's true. But no, you'll look back one day, and I've, you've heard the story about that, about when he got to be 21, he thought his parents were idiots, but he soon got to be 21, I found out how wise they were. 
There you go. Expectations. Father loves you, praying for you, wants the best for you. He provides for you. Most of all in everything, he wants to make sure at an early age you understand as his son or daughter that you are a sinner and you will ask Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior. On that day, Father can say, if I don't do anything else, and with the wife, with mom, however that is, on the day that I had a part in leading my son or daughter to the Lord Jesus Christ, that'll be the best remembrance I'll ever have of my son and daughter at home because they trusted in Jesus Christ. Ah. Give them and treat them with the same amount of respect that God wants you to give to them. Because with these expectations, uh, I just want to say this too, and again, it says fathers do not exasperate, to, to dominate, to drive your children crazy. You know, you are the father figure, you are the one who's to lead, you are the one with the idea of discipline when it's necessary. But men, sometimes we get this idea, leadership and the word domination are two very different words. I'm going to cross that over with, you know, with wives, with ladies, but I'm, we're talking about fathers today with children. You're not leading when you're dominating them. Pastor Floyd, one of the things, love him for very many reasons, but Pastor Floyd has this understanding of the ministry. Like the Bible says, do not lord it over the flock, but be an example and lead the flock. There are some pastors in churches, the way they present themselves, honestly, I gotta be, but I, they, they almost view themselves like little popes. They're, they've been made the pastor, and sad to say, it's pretty obvious, they have a love of power. But the pastor, the under-shepherd, the man behind the sacred desk, is never to have a love of power, but to always display the power of love. Okay, Even in times of discipline, I know this pastor has gone and thought and prayed and everything else because he before the Lord wants to do what's best for the flock that Jesus has given him. So there's the idea of expectations. And then respect. I'm coming. Oh, you're going to get out early today. Remind pastor of that. Are you, you're going to listen to the pastor. I'm letting him out early today, pastor. Hint, hint, hint. No. <laughs> I'm in trouble now. The next one after expectations, again, faith-filled, available, tender and tough, humble expectations, respect. Respect. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5 and 6 very quickly, can we? Ephesians chapter 5. Now, of course, we understand at the time the Bible was written, there were no chapter divisions, there were no verse divisions. It was just an, an ongoing, ongoing uh, writing. And over in verse 5, you know, we're talking about down in verse 20, where Paul says our, our attitude overall, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in this passage, he's thinking about the family. And of course, the family is designed by God. He's talking about submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. 
Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Now here's the prime example. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, let so the wives be unto their own husbands in everything. Now here's the foundation of that. We talked about this, and it's, it's linked to Father's Day, because it's talking about a Christian family. Husbands, dads, remember when you want mom, when you want your wife, and then you know, say, now be biblical, lady. Come on now. Come on now, sister. Be biblical. <coughs> Submit to my leadership. Oh, I will. First thing you tell me, you love me. I told you the day we got married. I know, but that was 36 years ago. <laughs> Husbands, love your wives. I said it before. Does anybody in this room, do you have a just a fear? Are you terrified at the thought of submitting to Jesus Christ? Yeah. What's he going to do to me? I'll tell you what he's going to do to you. He's going to love you, love you, love you. He's going to lead you. He's going to care for you. He died for you. And he's building a place for you so that when he comes and gets us, he can go to take us to be home with him and the Father forever. There's no threat to us by submitting to Jesus Christ. And husbands, if you love your wives as Christ loved the church, then your wife will have no fear about submitting to you because she will know that you love her and you have her best in your heart. Now, this is Father's Day, but where does this go then? Now, we go down to chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Fathers, dads, can I give you a word of wisdom? Especially if you've still got kids at home. Kids are always watching. Kids are always listening. As much as possible. Now again, I want to be sensitive to this, but I'm just saying to you, here's what it is saying. If you want to be wise as a father, when you love your wife, the children see this, and your wife just happens to be mom. And children love their mother. Children love, love their dad. They love their parents. If you want to be a wise father, a wise man, you will do a world of good if your children see that my daddy loves my mommy. Okay? That's just building blocks, A, B, C. And again, I understand some of you are maybe not in that situation. And I'm not, I'm not throwing stones. I'm, I'm just saying we pray for each other. We pray for God's best for each and every one of us and, uh, in that situation. Show love and kindness and care, and children will love and respect you and love you, Daddy, because they see the way you treat their mom. That's respect. And then the last thing, let me go run. Here we are, fathers. Let fathers be faith-filled to be an example to their children so their children will observe, learn, and carry on that godly heritage. Be available as much as possible don't lose those opportunities. Do not follow the example of cats in a cradle. Don't want that. Be tender and be tough. Chastening. Compassion. They work together. Be humble. You need God in every way. Be sensitive to your sin. Be serious about the word of God. All these things from Isaiah 66, 12 will improve and help you in living your life before your son or your daughter. Expectations. Okay? Make sure 
that they're godly. Respect for one another. And then the last one I'm going to close with, I will ask you to turn to Genesis chapter 37, something that is also very important. The last letter in fathers, of course, is S, and it's just the word same. 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 What are you talking about that? Well, you're going to see in a minute. You're turning to Genesis 37. Say, oh, I know where he's going with this. I do too, because I'm the guy saying it. Are you there with me now? Genesis chapter 37. I'd like to read into our hearing the first four verses. Says this. And Jacob, that's dear old dad, dwelled in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren, when his brothers, saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Dads, I beg of you. Do not have a favorite daughter or a favorite son. I hope that boat's not left the dock. That's. Here's what happened to my dad. I'll close with this. My dad was raised in Canada. His mom and his dad, there was uh, seven children, five sons and two daughters. And uh, when the Depression hit, my grandfather, Earl, I was named after him, went in and told the family and said, uh, we, we can't feed you. Don't have the money, don't have the food. So uh, of those five boys, my dad was the firstborn. He was, he was the oldest. He and Doug and Paul and Dean moved down to Indiana, up by Fort Wayne, Avila, because that's where Earl had been from. So they went back to come down to Allen County and try to find work. Donald stayed with Earl to work the farm. And as I understand it, it was obvious that one of the reasons why Earl, Grandpa, to me, kept Donald was because Donald was his Joseph. He was his favorite son. Anyway, it was a day in June of 1942. Earl and Donald, his favorite son, were out working the fields of Saskatchewan. They grew wheat. And on a day that was not, not really raining, not all that cloudy, all of a sudden, a flash of lightning came out of the sky and killed Donald. And there was a funeral and all of that. After my dad died, I was going through some of his stuff, and I found an old letter. It was written by my dad to my mother. And I opened it up. I thought, this will be interesting. And it was dated from June of 1942, it was my dad writing my mother about Donald's death and how they were going to go up for the funeral to Saskatchewan. And my eyes fell upon these words. Well, dad has lost his favorite son. This grabbed me. 
first things out of my, he knew, he knew that of all his siblings, he was the firstborn son and he had three, but Donald was the favorite. And so what I did, when my four boys came along, Evan, Ethan, Elliot, I wrote them letters later on, and uh, Eric. I told him, I said, you got to know something, boys. Don't ever try to vie for my attention. Don't, don't think there's a competition among you. There is no competition. Never will be. I'm all, I'm proud of all of you. And I, you don't, I don't have a favorite. I love you all the same. I love you with all my heart. One thing for kids, I don't know where it's at here. I'll just let the shoe fall where it may. But I would plead with you. Don't ever let a child think that they're your favorite. Because that'll do some damage to that kid because they're going to think they're better. And to the other kids too. And, I, and I'll leave it with that. So to say it one more time in closing, happy Father's Day. Your father may be gone. You can remember your father. Think about your love for him, the time you spent together with dear old dad. Your father may be alive, still living, but not right here. You can call him, get a hold of him, let him know today's Father's Day. Make sure you somehow try to make contact with him and let him know about your love. But especially for those here today, you have children or there may be some men in this room who are not dads right now, but wait a little bit, and one day they're going to call you dad. Please remember these things, just some consideration on what God would want from you to be a father. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that as the Heavenly Father, we don't have to worry about anything with you, for you are perfect. Your love is perfect. Because you love us so much, you bless us beyond measure, and you will chasten us when we go the wrong direction. We can always, always rely on you. And especially to all the the dads here today, especially for those who have children at home right now. These few words we've looked at today, trusting it's based on Scripture, that we might adopt because we understand that children... They don't belong to the state. Our children do not belong to the government. But truly, even though we're dad, our children don't belong to us. They belong to you. So may we do the best by them by seeing that they come to trust in you. We pray these things in the name which is above every other name and all God's people said.